You're listening to TWN Champions, episode 15. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum, or something like that. This is episode number 15. I'm Will, and with me is a woman who has an appointment whenever there's a full moon. And did you read about that awful thing in the paper? Why is she doing that? This is unrelated. It's Rebecca! Them chickens was like that when I got there. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) You just tell people you did it. I was that werewolf. <laughs> yeah, I don't get the secrecy. Like, I feel like there's not a whole lot to hide. This is a talent I have. It's like, yeah, like, what do you want from me, people? Look, I, like, I'm here. I'm going to transform. You might see me looking like a wolf. What? what? There's nothing. There, there's no shame here, okay? If you see a picture, tag me. There <laughs> <laughs> she is rooting around in our garbage cans again. Did you know that it is going to be a full moon on Halloween in our area? I did know that it was going to be a full moon on Halloween because before everyone figured out that 2020 was going to be the worst, weirdest year of all time, uh, people were very excited about like how Halloween was going to be on a Saturday and then we were going to have two full moons because we had one on the first too, apparently. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, it's great. I did know that. Do we I, think that's a real thing that people behave differently on full moons? I do think it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It is a thing. What the what, the, the, pool, the pools on your uh, humors or <laughs> we're we're connected to the earth in a way that we can't quite articulate yet, mm-hmm. but I know it's true. Okay. Okay. I I do believe in the full moon thing. I think that's a thing. Okay. I do. This can be used in court. but not if it's about them chickens i did not disturb they was already in a pile and their feathers was everywhere when i got there well that's what's happening at the end of the month but what about this past week what's what's been hounding you these days rebecca (laughs) i am kind of bummed that i have not been able to put out more halloween decorations Uh i've been busy like doing stuff like making my magnum opus and mm-hmm, I remember a po- that and a podcast yeah remember that one and uh also a halloween special for a different th- mm-hmm. I, you know and working more hours for human money uh from a boss to scott. fund the aforementioned project exactly and I just <laughs> oh yeah from your boss scott my boss, yes scott he's our, he's my boss scott is really rebecca's boss right <laughs> <He's> now <not. laughs> we just like to say that because it's funny um Technically, I'm an independent contractor, and I answer to no one, including Uncle Sam. No, I'm just kidding. I totally pay my taxes. I'm a patriot and a werewolf. Yeah, but I've been busy. Like, Sam, <laughs> you can't write that on your tax form. <laughs> just write your name. Occupation, werewolf. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to talk. Hang on. You can have occupation, werewolf. Well, we'll talk about that later on the countdown. Okay. But yeah, I'm just bummed. I, I've not, like, I have my mantle kind of half-heartedly up, but I've not decorated for Halloween because I'm just too busy living it in my heart 
Which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's you know it's mm-hmm. fine. You you still have. I want you to know, Rebecca said she hadn't had a chance to uh, decorate for Halloween. Our dining room currently has nine Halloween people framed in it. Yeah, but that's always there. <laughs> that's you always have a mantle always. set up. You have a, a skeleton wraith flying in the wind. So I have I have eight totes mm-hmm. in the attic of Halloween stuff, which does not count. Uh, yard stakes, yeah. loose tombstones that I have in a box, or loose skeletons that are too large for a box. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you know, there's just so much stuff up there, though. I don't feel like getting it down. That's the thing. Ever since we got into quarantine for COVID and I've not been going to the gym, I've had to do all my exercising at home. And, like, when you're at home, it's quiet and you can hear your knees popping a lot. You're like, God, am I old or have they always done that? That's just your knees bending the wrong way to turn into a... Werewolf. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> like figured. That kid in the rival. <laughs> Rebecca, what are we talking about today? Certainly not werewolves. On today's show, we're counting down our personal favorite takes on the wolf archetype. I have four. Will has four. It's a top eight. I know we're going to talk about this, but I think this is going to be a good one because this was a tough one and a surprise. It was surprising that it was tough. I learned some things. Yeah, me too. On about, accident. About myself, even. I, I'm so I, I hate when I keep doing. Oh, we're going to talk about that later. But uh, I'm so glad you said that because me too. And I think that's a theme that we might see. Okay. All right. I can. I can. I can feel that. Well, since we had, since it was so hard, I feel like it's safe to say we were fairly loose with our definition so maybe talk to me about how you thought about this topic so for this list i'm allowing both wolf type characters Uh that are realistic or that Uh are actual wolves i was wondering about that and fictional werewolves that are shapeshifter types okay according to standard werewolf tropes which is you know it's according to the moon or the phases of the moon you change into a wolf and you can't control it, and there's some kind of magic afoot that made it happen. Okay. That, that's my werewolf definition. But they're they're all up for grabs, I think, as long uh-huh. as it's a character and not just, like, some animal. Okay. I I don't have anything to add. I, I think that's, that's right in line with how I approached it as well. Okay. So maybe talk, maybe talk to us about where we get werewolves from, or wolves. <laughs> where did wolves come from, Where Rebecca? did you say werewolves? <laughs> where is our common ancestor for wolves? Werewolf. Hey, over there, don't you see? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> well, as we all know, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and autumn moon is bright. I have heard that. I think that was supposed to be... <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> That's what that. I say. I said that the other I'm day. I'm always telling people that. Was, you yeah, must have was, looked on my paper. <laughs> That's what I was just telling that girl. Um... The Autumn Moon is Bright. That's from the iconic 1941 film, The Wolfman, starring Lon Chaney Jr. Oh. And that is like our iconic reference for like a werewolf, I think, in popular media. But... Is that the universal Wolfman? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's like the original, you know, the the film that we're all looking at. And then, of course, they made slews of other ones after the original monster movies were popular. Okay. So there's that, but then werewolves as a concept have existed in folklore forever, yada, 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 blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. The earliest publication about one dates back to a pamphlet, Ooh. a 16-page pamphlet 
published in London in 1590, and it was about the werewolf of Bedburg, which was a small town in Germany. Okay. So the original German didn't like pamphlet didn't survive, but in London they were like they heard about it. They're like, ooh, it's a pamphlet. It's fine. Like whatever. But okay. That's 16 pages. That's. That seems very practical to make sure everybody's up to speed on the werewolf situation. Like yeah, you can read that. Yeah, you're not going to put it like like you can get into it, but also it doesn't go on and on. But also, it's not like an infographic bulleted list that you're going to gloss over the important details. Yeah, they didn't take a long time warming up. Like <laughs> I recorded within this pamphlet are the deeds of the most horror, and yeah, you get right into it. It really was a lot like that. I saw oh, okay. just like a little bit of the text about it, but it was about a real life trial of a real life dude named peter stump who was accused of vicious killings and later admitted under torture to being an occultist and he said that the devil gave him a girdle that allowed him to put it on and become a wolf a girdle but you'll be shocked to know that when he was executed and they searched his home they did not find his devil belt <laughs> so that may have just been a story he told under torture or he might have been wearing it or he <laughs> might have buried him with it <laughs> He's like, you're not, you didn't think to look in the pockets or like, it wasn't really a girdle. It was my handkerchief. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I was lying. I was going to mention a few uh, wolf origin stories in a few different cultures. Okay. That's okay. Oh, like, oh, that's good. Ooh, like, that's uh, good. In the Pawnee creation myth. <laughs> I didn't look up different cultures because I am an American. I know the one. American. I know the one. Uh, <laughs> The Pawnee creation myth, the wolf was the first animal and humans were punished for killing it. Ooh, I like um, it. And the Navajo believed witches could turn into wolves. I know you might remember uh, in Roman folklore, uh, Romulus and Remus were suckled by the wolf. So even like the creation of like the Roman Empire starts that way. And then uh, I was looking at some of the Asian cultures. Japanese grain farmers used to worship them at shrines and left offerings to protect their fields and crops. Which is also practical because... Yeah, that's pretty practical. They could also get some critters, you know. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's cute. And um, in the secret history of Mongols, people were descended from a doe and a wolf. And today, wolves are good luck symbols in that region. Okay. So wolves are really like... I, I don't know. They're like, they do seem like the progenitor species, like humans and wolves, maybe because of the dog connection or whether just they go together in the, in the beginning. They do. And the weird thing about that is, like, so, like, I've, I have sort of, okay, so we've established that, okay, this is an intimately and long link uh -huh. between, like, you know, the thought of wolves and humans, okay. I have learned, and we can get into it more later, but during the course of this uh, episode research, I've learned that I don't really super care for wolf tropes in literature and in uh -huh. films and movies. Like, I get bored by it because it's always one of those old, like, there's the beast within, and uh -huh. are we going to free him, or are we going to be civilized? And I just get so tired of that, and I don't even agree with it. So that was just me. Just That's my hot take I think so on, too. on wolves. And, and maybe that's good so we can be on the lookout for those kinds of themes when we go through these too. But there's something that's a, like kind of the same, a different shade of that that I think about too, where there are these themes about like a atavistic de-evolution to really understand yourself better or something. And I just don't buy that, that you need to get like primitive uh, to do that. You get to like your base reptile brain for to mix metaphors or something. I don't believe that. I believe you can stay cerebral and think. Yeah, I've not 
really, I'm like, so I'm not really into the distinction between um, animals and humans, like uh -huh. in, a, in a what in an ontological way. Like I'm even trying to think of like of how to describe it, because like. Um, for better or for worse, our human meat and the hardware that we're given is what has advanced us, right? And there's no such thing as the mammal brain of the lower mammals being too too different from the human brain. Because uh -huh. everybody's always like, oh, well, the humans have bigger prefrontal cortex, which is what governs our higher thought and it's uh -huh. bigger. And so we're better than animals. And it's like, well, it's kind of bigger, but this, I'm gonna tell you about somebody, Will. Susanna Herculano Huzel, a neuroscientist at the Institute of Biomedical Science in Rio de Janeiro, discovered a novel way of counting neurons by dissolving brains into a homogenous mixture. And then when she used that technique, she discovered that on the level of neurons, uh, human brains and mammal brains that are like the lesser mammals, they're, they're not even really wow. different. And all, for all of the space that our prefrontal cortex is taking up, it's not really giving us that much more brain power. It's just about like 20% of all of our neurons, which is a similar pr proportion to other mammals, okay? And so she said, that's our girl Susan, she says that the human brain's actually just a linearly scaled up primate brain that grew in size as we started to consume more calories thanks to the advent of cooked food. So I'm just kind of bored by like the, there's a primal chef and then there's a rational primal chef. I've got, I've got something perfect for that. We're just animals. Uh, that's also pretentious, but I think uh, relevant. Let's uh, be pretentious, I, whatever. I, in that Richard Dawkins uh, tome that he wrote about evolution. <laughs> All he, of his books he, are tomes. He talks, he talks about how we tend to visualize, you know, that picture you can imagine in your mind of like the ape that's slowly walking more and more upright. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, you, you don't need to think of uh, evolution from our common ancestors that way. It's not like we were marching inexorably toward our destiny, which is the final product of man. Every species is what they were supposed to do. They are perfect for their purpose uh, in the ecosystem. Yeah. And uh, it's not it's not like there's this huge gulf with species that didn't make it to human. Yeah, and that also means that uh, we shouldn't look down on other species exactly. because they are. I mean, you know, just your body is uh, a data gathering instrument, and it influences and impacts how we see the world. But just because a it fish might just be a value set that we have. Well, yeah. We're I judging other animals. I was going to say like a uh, fish knows a whole lot more about the ocean than we do. Right. <laughs> well, <'Cause> see. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, you know, just because the, like think of their body and how they experience mm -hmm. and how they take in the data. Right. It's, I don't know. I just, I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't want you to know, born and beautiful. And we need to like, I'm, I mean, I'm not obnoxious or anything, but I get real tired well, about yeah. the, there's just a thin veil. Yeah, the beast, the beast in the man. Yeah, yeah you don't have a beast. You're just some dumb. We all yeah, are. We're all beasts. Exactly. Calm down. Like you're not like I'm savage within. Like no, you're just a stupid human being. Sorry about it. Okay. <laughs> you know, next time be a crow. They're awesome. Anyway. So we'll look out for that. We'll also look out for what we do like. About yeah them. okay yeah i'm having a hard time with it because i was just this like this be interesting i found out i didn't care actually that's not true there's one werewolf that i care a great deal about okay. we'll get to him okay. <laughs> last real quick thing have you ever seen a wolf no 
at the zoo? Think, they don't have them either. at the zoo. I saw, I've seen uh, a friend of mine had a dog that was three quarters German shepherd and one quarter wolf. Which is a bad idea. <laughs> Everyone who has that. She was mostly just bored in the yard, but um, in retrospect. Also, do not do that with a dog that has any wolf in them. Okay. <laughs> they lived in the woods. It, I'm sure it did evil stuff when we weren't looking, but uh, she mostly just wanted dinner. <laughs> You're like, why did the dog erect that ritual altar with those... <laughs> All the pentagrams on the ground. <laughs> she had four toes. Uh, or had one more toe than you're supposed to. Do you want to start us off with your first wolf pick that we will love and cherish? <laughs> this list is going to be crazy, okay? Just take that as a standing, as a standing warning. Number eight. The year is 2008. And the world is collectively turning its hand back and forth to the tune of Beyonce's <laughs> single ladies. And there's one question on everyone's mind. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Oh, boy. He tells me nothing because he's scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. Oh, I get back. Oh, calm down now. <laughs> So my first pick is actually a very infamous pick, but uh-huh. it's fine. We're just going to talk about wolves, I okay? never thought that by the year 2020, I would think fondly of Robert Pattinson. The, that a is lot weird. has changed. And her. Um, she Kristen seems pretty Stewart? sharp, too. Yeah. And the, and the other guy, and the wolf guy seems fine. I don't Taylor know. Taylor he on, knows karate. Yeah, he was on um, Scream Queens. Oh, yeah. He was I, pretty good. I enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah. no. Okay. Yeah, all right. So, Yeah. Um, this is Taylor Lautner as Jacob Black from the Twilight Saga. Okay. Let's tick some WTF boxes here. All right, so just background, if you've not seen Twilight, you've seen Twilight. Where have you been? Watch Twilight. It's part of culture, okay? He's one of the boys in a love triangle vying for the love of Bella Swan. I mean, I don't feel like he vied very hard. I cannot but, believe. Like, I did not even remember that was her name. That was terrible. It is this terrible. Okay. okay, here's some yikes boxes. He's a werewolf, becomes uh-huh. one at age 16, puberty metaphor. Yeah. Werewolves often are. Uh, he's a noble wolf, like the noble kind of werewolf. Because okay. we this is not like a savage one. This is a noble beast uh-huh. from the Quileute tribe, okay. which is actually a real tribe uh-huh. of indigenous Americans who are not werewolves. Okay, so that's we we's gonna call that problematic. Okay. All right, I'm that's gonna ask you: is it better? Boxes. Is it better to make up a uh, tribe or have a real one? So, if I were writing a saga, uh-huh. I certainly would not imply that a tribe of indigenous Americans about whom I knew nothing were werewolves or oh, use yeah, them for okay. my, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Now, however, here there's a silver lining in every yikes uh-huh. cloud, and as it turns out due to their fame and notoriety and all the tourist money that they got from Twilight, they were actually able to get an official settlement in their favor for the northern boundary of their tribal lands that they had been fighting for forever. Uh-oh. So Twilight money, you know, it it spends the same as anybody else's cool. money. Okay. So, so the real-life Quileutes actually kind of like came... Interesting. We're like, this is very weird that this is happening, but, you know, we'll, let's roll uh-huh. with it, right? Okay, that's a little bit yikes. Um, but here's the real yikes about Jacob from Twilight. It eventually became a plot point in the series that the real reason that he ever loved Bella was because he was actually imprinting on her baby, in her, it, who was an egg, oh, whose name was yeah. Renesmee. 
and it, and it was not a full baby because that is not how babies are made. And I think Stephanie Meyer needs to have a lesson on that. But I picked him because while Twilight kicked off the vampire craze uh -huh. of the uh, brief year between 2008 and 2012, it was okay. really the, a very brief vampire craze. I think you're crazy if you watch those films and think that the Cullens would be cool to hang out with and not the Quileutes. Because I was like, yeah, no, I would want to hang out with Jacob's family. Because mm -hmm. they're all, you know, in the woods hanging out shirtless and just being cool. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're Unlike... not trying to impress each other with baseball games. Exactly. Now, see, how long ago did you see that movie? You remember their stupid I remember the game. I remember the embarrassing parts pretty well. <laughs> exactly. That imprinted on me. <laughs> hey <laughs> we're being so mean to, to, to the wolves but well and the, the, the thing is i do think it's important to have one that sort of this is like a really good modern werewolf because yeah. who was thinking about werewolves if you're a young person in 2008 who was oh, a werewolf yeah, we to, to freshen you them up for yeah. it yeah if jacob from twilight could be your werewolf then you know that's the werewolf you know and it's it's good it's good that we keep werewolves fresh in everyone's mind okay <laughs> which i'm sure is what stephanie meyer was definitely thinking when she carefully and thoughtfully and wrote that book and all those books very well number seven how could you help her i don't know but at least we might find a way to live <laughs> how will you join forces with sun and fight the humans no all that would do is cause more hatred there is nothing you can do, boy. Soon the demon mark will spread and kill you. Now leave this place at sunrise. Return, and I shall kill you. I think the best wolves are the ones that you can ride. So this is Moro from a truly awesome film called Princess Mononoke. Okay. You know what? We have had literally nothing in the realm of anime or close uh -huh. to anime the whole time we've done the show. And I felt self-conscious about it, but I'm also not a weeb. And so I'm not going to like make myself be one. So please tell us about Princess Mononoke. I know this is a very uh, well thought of film. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's yes. beautiful, a beautiful movie. So this was a 1997 animated film by Studio Ghibli, the same company that made Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro. You hear people talk about this studio all the time. They're like the anime Pixar um, but this is really an animation masterpiece, this movie. It's such a good story, and it looks so cool. Um, and we, we, we were talking about how we don't watch a ton of anime, but we will watch ones if they are like, if they've been recommended to us and we know they're like solid sci-fi or fantasy. Yeah, like, like I want the super arty political ones. Yeah. Like, I'm not here for fun. Like I, I We don't watch Saturday morning anime, but we'll watch like, like you watched, I think the close we got to that is you watched Murder Princess. I think you liked that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, that watched, was more for research, but yeah. But then, but I, I watched Death Note. And Death Note has. was good, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, We're not like anti-anime. We're just we just had didn't happen to be in our. Yeah, yeah. It's just not our. This just wasn't our Jewish. It's okay. And I think this was probably the first like legit anime thing that I saw. And I've mentioned before that we didn't have a ton of uh, hit culture where I grew up, especially like pre or very early internet days. So this movie. And uh, Bjork's Dancer in the Dark album were like real hip touchstones for me that let me know there was an outside world that I wanted to be a part of. Um, <laughs> if Bjork's Dancer in the Dark world was, <laughs> you're like, yeah, that looks good. 
I was very cool in high school, c- c- crying to Dancer in the Dark and uh, Prince of <laughs> um, So this film is about the conflict between the natural world where living gods walk the earth and they are scary and very big and cool and industrialization by humans. And this is in an alternate universe in, uh, so, in sort of like a medieval Japan. And it's a really well-drawn conflict because, you know, just hearing it, you think, oh, you know, we shouldn't be industrializing. But the humans are really weirdly sympathetic in it, too. Um, on the human side, you have this woman named Lady Ibashi, who's the leader of Iron Town, And she's industrializing the forest so she can build a town for um, the disabled and outcast people that she's trying to empower. And she's uh, making a, a home for them. And on the side of nature, you have animal gods and all the um, animal creatures. And the highlight of the film is the wolf god Moro. She's a 300 300- Three hundred year old giant white wolf, voiced by Gillian Anderson in the Western vo- version. Silence, boy! How dare you speak to a god like that? She's the adoptive mother of a human girl who's sort of like a uh, wolf child, like a wild child. Her name is San, whose parents left her with uh, wolves as a sacrifice, and so Morrow and her adopted daughter San hate humans. You know. I don't think motherhood is for me, but if I could leave my child with wolves and know that it would be raised by wolves, <laughs> like in a mystical way, I would probably do they that. They were taking a risk. I think they thought they would eat them, but if you knew it was going to be raised by uh, Gillian Anderson wolf, yeah. wolf god. I mean, like, you know, things could happen, but you're like, you'll have a good life here. Those, those, maybe this is really incentive, but those like wolf child, feral child stories are just fascinating to me. I mean, obviously not the ones that are like born of abuse, but like the ones with like some weird circumstance and they've learned to uh, live and like adopt the ways of like other animals or whatever. Those are just fascinating, I think. Yeah. And then you know some real life kids who are like almost feral because all they do is like play video games. They cannot keep a shirt on their back. Yeah. They, they're just rolling around. They're wild. Floor. Yeah. They're just wild. My uh, baby wild. Oh, and San rides on uh, Moro's back when they go into battle. It's pretty cool. Uh, so the reason I really wanted to pick Moro is not just because she looks awesome and uh, sounds really, really scary. It's because I enjoyed the comedy of how they wrote her to think exactly like a wolf would be thinking. I think they just nailed her instead of just making her like a sort of forbidding and um, uh, soft-spoken God. She'll say things that are just horrifying and terrifying in a really calm, banal way just to see if you kind of catch it. And the main hero guy, he just ignores her, but she'll say things to him like, I thought about biting your head off while you slept. And he's like, anyway, and they just keep talking. <laughs> I just love it. And, and you, th- and you don't know, like you think she might know it's funny, but also she might be serious. And also that's kind of funny. Right, <laughs> and, right, so, yeah. and so I think it really works. I was hoping you cry out in your sleep. Then I would have bitten your head off to silence you. It's a beautiful forest. Watching those clips more and more again, I sort of thought of it more like, it's almost like she's enjoying like toying with her prey a little bit. Like I might eat you, I might not kind of. Yeah, okay. Um, and they also did a great job with her language because they really leaned in her ha- having like the vocabulary of a dog. Like she would have these really eloquent things she'd say, but she would also say like, 
I dream of the day I will finally crunch that gun woman's head in my jaws. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I need to watch this film. It's really cool. And it reminded me of how we talk about when you really know a dog, you can get their voice exactly right. But <laughs> you have to know the dog. Yeah, this is a topic of conversation. I don't I don't like when people do dog voices and I'm like, that's not right for Mm-mm, that dog. You don't know that dog. That's why child like uh, young boy child voices never work for dog commercials. I hate that. That's not the yeah. dog's voice. Even if it's a puppy, that's yeah. wrong. Yeah, that's no. not. It has a dog voice. It's very specifically a dog. I also don't. I'm not a fan of that, like, Henlo kind of style of dog talking. I just, I don't think that's right either. You know what I'm like? No. It's like, the, like in memes, it would be like, Henlo, I am oh, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind yeah, of a deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a heckin' good, so you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ain't quite right either. I, yeah, I don't feel. I don't feel like, like a dog thinks like that. It's more like um, colorful. It's like they have a limited vocabulary word, and they're trying to like paint a picture for you. They're doing the best they can, or something. And it's and it's their own sort of sort of innocent sort of. Thing. Yeah, and of course, different breeds will be a little bit different. Oh, true. But true. But yeah, uh, true. Anyway, we've given this a lot of thought. Like our our neighbor's previous dog is like, I'm gonna kill a man, <laughs> and our dog's like, What's for dinner? <laughs> Who's that track? Yeah. Um, so uh, I will say because I love this movie so much and borrow so so much, uh, it's been out for 20 years. So I'm going to give you fair warning to say uh, noble sacrifice warning here uh, from the wolf. But it's awesome how it happens and hilarious. And okay. so you would not expect anything less from Morrow. And I didn't even get into how there's this corruption demon that infects the hero. And it's like a whole metaphor for the two nature and human sides, uh, cor- you know, being corrupted. Um, but it's hard not to side with nature because of Moro. And this is my legendary nature wolf. Number six. Now, in honor of the many, many fine songs written about wolves, and I'm going to name some of those songs before I name my pick. Uh-huh. So many great, so wolf is a great metaphor for a song, and it's great for stories. So we've got, like, you know, uh, Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. I was wondering if you are going to mention that one. I'm going to mention it, but that's not even my pick. We sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf. But, like, Duran uh, Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, mm-hmm. Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London, all of that stuff. Wolves are great for a song, okay? And to honor all of the great songs about wolves, I present to you of Wolf and Man, one of the unsung songs from Metallica's 1991 Black Album. Yeah, it's so good. I thought about this one too. <laughs> I was this trying to find like, a way to talk about it. I was going to be like, well, Terry's a wolf because it is the fret marker on James Hetfield's guitar. Well, you can talk about the fret marker on James Hetfield's guitar all you want to now. So like for people who are not the exact age as us or who are, you know, like a little bit younger than us, it's kind of hard to describe what a cultural phenomenon Metallica was in their mm-hmm. earlier years. Um, especially given that 
as saturated and as fragmented as the media landscape is now, it wasn't always like that. Uh Like Metallica was on top 40 radio when we were kids. And I know that wasn't maybe the case where you lived or whatever, but I used to hear Metallica on the school bus because like this album generated hit after hit after hit. We heard heard Load a lot because they made that for radio. And I I actually am a big defender of Load, but Black Album, you're right. It was odd that they like, I mean, it was a mega hit. Yeah, it was. It was a monster hit. And like, every song on there is is ma- good, ma- magnificent. <laughs> this is Bob Rock's finest hour. He would have no finer hour than this. Yeah. So he would probably not have any many okay hours <laughs> yeah. after this one. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. That's between Bob Rock and his maker. But um, I, okay. So so this is just coming from a long a long standing love for Metallica. Like it was really a part of my childhood, and mm-hmm. it's such a funny thing. Like. It's it's very funny because I just can't think me of any, too. any this bands is what got that me, like that. This is what got me guitaring hard. So out of this incredible fondness, um, and also this is why I feel like I can speak with such authority about Metallica because I just feel like Metallica's in my blood. I grew up <laughs> in the 80s because it's true. Cause it's true. Um, we know that James Hetfield is a very workmanlike songwriter most of the time, but I feel like you know, he does take the occasional poetic flight of fancy. And this song is maybe his most inspired lyrics ever, because I feel like this, like he was really getting at something that was true for him that he like resonated with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say like this one in bleeding me are his, are his best lyrically. Okay. See, and I wouldn't have known that you would have chosen this from for like, you know, it's number really two or one. whatever. But yeah, like, I do think that this has like a deafness that his lyrics don't usually have. And I'm a big snob about songwriting. Like, I really am. But, you know, off through the new day's mist I run. Out from the new day's mist I have come. We shift, pulsing with the earth. Company, we keep roaming the land while you sleep. And then, of course, the chorus is shape shift, nose to the wind. Like, that is That's a great turn of good. phrase. Yeah. It is. It's a great turn of phrase. And also, even the even the rhythm of that uh, verse sort of has the cadence of like of galloping, galloping wolf feet. See, and that's how you know it's a yeah. yeah, it's a well written song. All of those things have taken into consideration, like the the cadence of the phrases, like you said, and like the um, the the lyrics and in what they're saying. I am not a person who's like the but this song is like getting me the closest that I could ever get to understanding uh-huh. that point of view. You know, I don't. There's not anything to say except for Metallica rules. It I gets, don't know. Yeah, yeah, it gets you thinking about coursing through those trees. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know it's well, just, we were talking. We were talking about, uh, you know, that getting in touch with your uh, true self thing or whatever. I feel like James Hetfield may be kind of like a um, wolf werewolf kind of man. Like I feel like he's always trying to do that. He's always trying to find like that balance between like his uh, devil anger side and his good good man reasoning side. That's been like a, a, a arc of his through his whole life. Like all his songs are about that. If you ever read any interviews with him about that, he is having this werewolf struggle. And 
when you really think about it, all of the problems that are causing his human problems are all problems of the ego, which are all, uh -huh. which that is like just a problem of being a human being. Like you don't have demons tormenting you, not <laughs> metaphorically, like, uh -huh. you know, your personal demons. <laughs> We're not talking about. Yeah, we'll I'm, get to those later. Yeah, that's another episode. Metaphorically, you don't have to worry about feeling anxious, self-conscious, self-loathing. Oh. oh, you know what I mean? A wolf is just out there living his life like fully that. engaged in the moment. And I, I don't know. I know we both have a really soft spot for Metallica and James Hetfield in particular as a, you know, like as a person, as mm -hmm. a songwriter. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a great that's, one. Yeah, go listen to that song, everybody. Yeah, now we're up on wolves. <laughs> Here's my trashy wolf. My next pick is a faux mythological trashy werewolf from a video game, Altered Beast, the arcade game and pack-in game for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, we did need to pick a video game werewolf mm -hmm. or wolf, and there are lots of them out there, and I didn't pick one, so this is good. We've got Altered Beast here being our avatar. Well, this is the one that first appeared in 1988 and was a very, very popular arcade machine. I don't know if this was, was in your birthday party arcades, but what do you, what were the heavy hitter arcade games yeah, for you? The, no, it would have been Pole Position 2. It was, okay. That was like the big cool one that everybody wanted to be at. And then I, I just think I just was around like laundromat <laughs> arcades. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't remember this one. We had a, we had a bowling alley that had uh, Ninja Turtles and Simpsons and this one. Oh, yeah. No, like, I, I, okay, those. Yeah. Yeah. If you, Lethal Enforcers, if you're oh, real fancy. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that's a little later. A little thinking, bit but, later, mid-90s. That's, that's a good one, too. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so this one was really popular. I don't for, know if I've ever seen this one at all. For some of the sound bites. As I describe it, you might recognize it. It had a really popular soundbite when you first start where uh, you hear a voice go, Rise from your grave. Rise from your grave. Um, when someone says that, I'm interested. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. If somebody said that to you to start your day or work day, you'd be like 20% more productive. <laughs> I know. Like, like, workers, I'm... rise from your grave. Like, okay. <laughs> like, how did you know I was in one? Just what I wanted to hear. Ready to work. So you may be wondering why somebody would be saying that. This is Zeus talking to you. His daughter Athena has been kidnapped by the evil Neph, so he summons legendary centaurians to get her back. And when you start, Zeus uh, appears, his head, a disembodied head appears over some tombstones, and he says, Rise from your grave. And then you're ready to pump some quarters. Okay. Now, you can turn into a werewolf in this game, but you don't start out that way. You have to earn your werewolfdom. You pop out of your grave as an underpants man. And there are three power-ups in every level. Power-up. And each one gets you increasingly jacked. <laughs> and at the end of the level, if you beat up a legendary wolf, you get a power-up to turn into a different were-beast. And the werewolf is the main one from the art box. Uh, from the uh, box artwork. And this is the part that was really awesome because when you got it, they do this little cut scene on a fiery background where your face transforms into the wolf face like the Janet Jackson video. <laughs> it looked exactly like that. Are you talking about the Michael Jackson black or white video? Yes, I'm sorry. The yes. face morphing? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
And this was a pretty, like, bad game, like, gameplay-wise, but the world was so cool that people loved it anyway. It has this great aesthetic because it's it's kind of like, it's supposed to be ancient Greece, but it's also very Japanese because of the credits and everything. And it's also really... <laughs> they were like, we're just going we're gonna to get from every culture and just see what yes, was awesomest. Yes. And it's also... It's like, make that dude a samurai. <laughs> okay, like, what, what else do we have? Like, they Oh, they had some really great enemies. My favorite one was this zombie who's holding his own head in one hand and he's doing like old school pugilism punching with his other one and he sort of like, rocks back and forth. That's really cute. It was really cool. Does he ever throw the head? Uh, he should. There's a lot of head throwing. The first boss throws his own head that re- regenerates rates over and over. I like it. Um, and it's really gothic and Castlevania-ish, and you're in necropolises and swamps and stuff. <laughs> when am I not? But okay. <laughs> I love this one a lot, but the way I got it was kind of weird. I traded this game uh, to some kid that I met at the beach whose parents, my parents, thought had kidnapped me. <laughs> oh, right. Because, of course, like some other family just wants another kid. Well, it was one of those things where... Uh, we didn't know this family at all. We just started playing that day because this kid was like all up in my grill and like came over like, you want to play together? And then he just would not leave me alone, like way too intense. And then he was like, ask him if you can come with us to go bowling. And I was like, okay. And I did. And then his parents kept us out like way, way too late. And when we got back, pulled up, I saw my dad like walking like along the street like he had been looking for me oh and they had Lord. already called the police and stuff and and then they and later they were telling me you know they had this narrative in their head where like he was used like a lure you know what i mean because he was so weird and so intense that and is... we've heard from other families we knew that he would just you know he was just lonely and wanted to find other kids to play with well but... no wonder every time he got a friend that um, his they... mom was like let's keep him out till 11 p.m <laughs> And then they're like, he's actually been kidnapped. What? That's terrible. Oh, and they looked in the windows of the house because they didn't know where they were. And it was like boxes everywhere in it and stuff. Like they didn't really live there or something. And they had just moved in. That is just terrible. Now, so that kid, that's so at the bowling alley where your kidnapped temporary family took you. (laughs) Yes. That's where they had this game. Um, no, uh, when he, uh, insisted on coming inside to our house, um, this is one of the games he had and I traded him, uh, Shinobi for this game. Oh. And so I'll always remember that I got this from him. <laughs> <laughs> that weird, weird child. <laughs> Number four. Like right to commercial. Karen? Take one. Good evening. From the day we're born, there is a battle we must fight, a struggle between what is kind and peaceful in our natures and what is cruel and violent. What the hell is this, an editorial? That choice is our birthright as human beings and the real gift that differentiates us from the animals. It is as natural to us as the air we Could breathe. Could you pass this material? She's not ready All for of us the take it for granted. We changed it a little. Yeah, this is also trashy. I guess it's faux mythological. I don't know. Whatever. If I told you that Robert Picardo played a werewolf. Oh, I love it. What do you it. say? That's good watching? Yes. Well, then you're going to be watching 1981's The Howling, a cult classic werewolf film. And since I watched it last night, I can actually tell you it is a well done film okay. with a good screenplay. Because you can never huh. tell. Like, something could be like, oh, that's a cult classic. And it's like not actually a good movie, but people just like it. This is actually a well done film. And 
Robert Picardo. There's actually a lot of notable werewolves in this movie, so I'm oh. kind of like saying the the honor belongs to them all. Is was he good in it? That's the important. He part. was, yeah. He, I like him. He played a creep. I think he's really good. He played a, a great, fantastic creep. So um, this film, if you've not seen it, because it was from the year you were born, um, <laughs> stars D. Wallace who was one year away from her role as the mom in E.T. And that's how oh. we know her. Okay, so this is Dee Wallace. Um, she plays a news anchor who has a run-in with a stalker. And then the resultant trauma has her have to leave broadcast news and then take a vacation with her terrible boyfriend to the colony. Okay. Now, in one of my favorite shows, 30 Rock, they have a quote to the effect of, Never go with a hippie to a second location. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're familiar with this quote. This is why we don't do this. Because she gets to the colony, and there's a cast of weird characters who may be hiding something. Like they're all well, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I bet. Including, sad old man, a mystical hoochie named Marsha, <laughs> and a slack-jawed pervert in a fur vest named, I don't care, I don't know what his name was, doesn't matter. <laughs> so this is a movie that... Actually, you don't even see a werewolf for a good while in it. But it's a really pretty interesting film about trauma and about uh, choosing to own your actions as a way of taking control over them, I guess. Uh-huh. Like, I don't, I don't, w- without giving too much of it away. But um, if we're going to do a good th- spin on that theme about overriding your basic instincts and all that stuff, I think that this, this film does a good job with that. And so if you want to see Robert Picardo being a creepy werewolf. What kind of werewolf? Yeah, I was about to say what kind of, what's so the, the nature of his? The werewolf design is actually pretty like grotesque. It's pretty gruesome. Like they're all like big and very snarly. And there's definitely puppetry involved in like, you know, prosthetic head type of things. Tonight I'm going to sh- show you something. Make you believe. <laughs> But then all of the werewolves aren't equally made. So he looks horrible. Like uh-huh. he looks very, very ghastly. And like the kind of thing that if you were a kid and you saw it, you'd be like, Meh. now some of the werewolves don't look quite as good. Cause huh. some of them look like they were trying to make them look like ladies. So they like glued some hair some, bows. <laughs> it was like they glued hair. Like some of their faces were more like Chewbacca faces, uh-huh. you know, but it was still good. Lots of fun werewolf designs. If you want to watch a werewolf film and you've not seen it, I actually really do recommend it because it's not just like a old movie, like so many. It's like so many. That's a good watch. I like that you say it takes them a while to show the werewolf. We were just talking about that, about how movies now have to show you things right at the beginning, but like, what were we watching the other day? Was it like Ralph Macchio's uh, Crossroads? It took a long time for for us to get to the guitar. I do love that we just watched that. Yeah, yeah. but that was just no just werewolves like, in that. Well, but the devil's there. Oh yeah, and the devil has a guitar player. That's right. And the guitar player is Steve well, Vai. So, somebody might have been a werewolf. Steve Vai would make a good werewolf. Yeah, most people would. <laughs> But anyway, if you haven't seen The Howling, totally watch it. And uh, Dee Wallace, she just she deserved to be huger. She like I know the mom and ET. I was remember a big her being role. good in that, doing a lot. But with she a little... was. She did. She did more for that role than she had to. Than she quote had to do. Like I, I, I feel like she could have had like a really big career. I don't know why she didn't. Okay, cool. But if you want, if you're a fan of Dee Wallace, the mom from ET, and Robert Picardo, and Robert Picardo, watch this film. Cool. <laughs> Number three. 
Do you know what mutants are? Brain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. So I went to Reverend Craig to see if he could pray it out of me. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Who's there? My next pick is not Wolverine. <laughs> okay. I almost picked Wolverine. You know what? I don't even know if he counts. Well, well, I almost picked him because in the Aldi's they tried to make the wolf thing happen for him and they decided that retroactively his name was really James Howlett. And everybody oh. was like, no, Howlett is not happening. Everybody that just completely. Not, he is a samurai. Shut up. That is not real. That is pretty funny. So, it's like he tried to give himself a new a nickname. He like put on exactly. a leather jacket. And he's like, call me Hal. I believe he did have. I think he was rocking a leather jacket strong at that period. Um, call me Wolverine. And they're like, no, what? <laughs> what is happening here? We are not in grade school. Anyway. I'm trying to think really hard. Then I was like, okay, well, who is a real wolf, a real werewolf? And so I'm going to pick a real female werewolf from X-Men and X-Factor and all the X-Men related stuff. Uh, this is Rain Sinclair, also known as Wolfsbane. I do not believe we have been introduced. Oh, dear. Do you remember okay. when our friend Roz was studying werewolves? I do remember that. She stu she studied them for recreational. She was really studying werewolves. <laughs> yes. For for real academic stuff. In her science lab. Yes. I so, rem I remember this. This is this is one of the ones that I was talking to her about because I thought this was a really thoughtfully chosen chosen addition to the X-Men roster. This wasn't just like what's an extreme idea. This fit the X-Men story so well because you know, what are the X-Men about? They're about like the pain of becoming an adult and also acceptance in society. Yeah. And the werewolf is perfect for that. That is. That makes sense. So we were talking about this earlier, but uh, it's the teenage metaphor. You know, your body's changing. You're stuck in a in-between place between child and adult uh, or human and beast. And there's like shame and excitement and power and hormones and feelings and there's like also the acceptance in society. There's all that stuff oh, is bound yeah. up in all this. Okay. So on top of this, they also gave her a really interesting backstory where she had uh, an abusive religious background and uh, was cast out when she was transformed. So she internally struggles with uh, this uh, religious fear about sinning and accepting her friends for who they are because she's trying to shake like the rigidity of how she grew up. Well, that's very thoughtfully done. I think so too. And she always ends up on the right side of that struggle, but it's something she has to contend with that a lot of the other ones don't. Um, and, you know, depending on where you grew up, uh, you know, that's a thing that you might have to deal with or might have to grow out of. And especially if you didn't have access to lots of other ways of thinking pre-internet and that sort of thing. Yeah. This was a this was kind of a nice story. And because of all that awkwardness with her, I really like her unflattering 90s era the best. Her costume then was like a leotard with metal shoulder pads and she's covered in long fur. And it's like the most awkward and she's really uncomfortable in her own skin. Uh, I think there was even a really good issue during this period where she was talking to a therapist and it was the 90s. So he was bald with a green ponytail. So, of course, <laughs> but um, yes, it was it was really cool. She's really tough. Like she's like Wolverine, but she's fast. Uh uh, they should put her in video games. I liked her a lot. I just thought she, she was really Yeah, good. it just sounds like she deserves more 
time in the spotlight. They just put her in the New Mutants movie where she's played by, uh, what's her name, Maisie Williams? Is that how you say her name? Oh, okay. Yeah, so Arya from Game of Thrones. Um, and her wolf form is portrayed by the real-life trained wolf Chuck I saw in the Wikipedia. Somebody wrote that very formally. <laughs> Good job, Chuck. I was looking at uh, one of these websites where you can hire wolves for your movies, and they are so, like... This sounds so bad because I'm sure it's a great service and they're wonderful people, but they are so like humorless and dead serious. I can completely imagine how that is I true. want to read to you just a, a, a piece of uh, language from their website that just made me die laughing. Like a subculture with really rigid rules is always funny. Yes, even like if we are a serious. pack and there is an order. Yes. Yeah. They said that, listen to this, they said... This, they're talking to people who are who are filmmakers, and they say, whatever the reason for not using a real wolf in a film scene is, we accept it happens from time to time. <laughs> we can also accept that every shot is not achievable with a real wolf. This can be because of the budget, blah, blah, blah. But I just thought it was so funny. We they were like, <laughs> we'll accept. We'll, okay, you get a pass. But there's no excuse you shouldn't be using Chuck for all your scenes because Chuck is a star. Yeah, like I can't even imagine, like, what, like I can think of, Several thousand reasons I wouldn't want to use a real wolf right. in a shot. Uh, proximity of baby faces. Yeah, that would be one. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and this scene we're gonna tie raw stakes around everybody's neck. And where's Chuck? Yeah, Chuck to the is... set. Exactly. Right. Like in this scene, we got shrapnel going everywhere yes. from all these cannons. Yeah. Chuck, get up here. Uh, the shrapnel sounds like yipping. It's a little bit like yipping that uh, they would upset a wolf, for example. Where's Chuck? Get Chuck out here. This is the scene where we slap the wolf in the face. <laughs> we need a trained wolf named Chuck for this one. Now, this is a wolf where this is the scene where the wolf gets in the van and he drives as fast as he can off the end of that pier. Chuck, <laughs> get in your van. He knows how to drive, right? Like, I think this scene says uh, we kidnap uh, a wolf named Chuck's cub and uh, tease her with it. Oh my God. The little girl's the one who does it. Get her over here. Where's the little girl? Right. right Hold right. this wolf's baby. She ain't wearing the stake around her neck. What gives? Everybody get, get, get Chuck. Is Chuck in his dressing room? Get him out here. So think, think careful. There may be some reasons, but ask yourself, could you do this scene with a real wolf? You probably can. <laughs> no excuse. It's animation. Real wolf. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Number two. Even a man whose heart is pure and says his prayers by night may change to a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the moon is full and bright. Or maybe he already is a wolf man. I'm talking about Wolfman Jack, friends. Now you stay right here for the pride and joy of radio and catch old Wolfman Jack. This is Jim Spiders and Snake Stafford saying you're not going to get a better show. At number two, I bring you the man responsible for the fact that I still associate werewolves with rock and roll. Oh. And that is American radio DJ Wolfman Jack. Oh, cool. Okay. Who is famous for his gravelly voice and his hip sideburns and pompadour. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask me the question to get the answer, honey. You're the love, and you know that the old Wolfman speaks the truth. And so do seals and crops. He's living the life, all right? 
Now, he was a presence on various radio stations um, throughout the 50s, and he kind of got his shtick from Alan Freed, which is fine, who got all of his shtick from black artists. So, you know, (laughs) everyone's copying everybody. But Wolfman Jack took... I'm trying to think what Alan Freed, the radio DJ, his his stuff was like. I can't remember his alter ego, but it was something like dumber. So Hal and Jack is like, hey, I, I need I need a gimmick. Like I need mm-hmm. a, a we need a character. I need a yeah, I need a character. So it's gonna be eventually it morphed into Hal and Jack because it was like in the 50s. You're like that ain't nothing, Jack. Like you, uh-huh. just how you called uh-huh. Jack as a thing. I don't know. Anyway, like dude, yeah, yeah, it's like dude, yeah, like Jack was the dude of the 50s. That's right. So by the early 60s, he was on XERF, which was a super high-powered radio station across the Mexican border. And they there was a habit of um, a lot of U.S. broadcasters doing that. They would buy these AM towers um, in Mexico that weren't regulated by the FCC so they could broadcast like 250,000 watts and be heard all over the country, oh. especially at night. When the AM radio waves bounced off the ionosphere, which is kind of awesome. Oh. So this is really cool in the sense that you can when, see how radio hobbyists was yeah, more of a thing. And, and radio hobby, like so. First of all, radio as a hobby and a pursuit was just such a really beautiful sort of romantic thing. Like in the in the early days, and even throughout like the fifties and sixties, because hobbyists would it's enjoy our well intentioned internet. Well, yeah, and it's like, but it's like fishing for internet, right? Because yeah. it's like, hey, like imagine how cool it would have been if you had never seen anything from anywhere else and all of a sudden you fished this website from clear across the world and you're like, whoa, I just saw a guy do a TikTok in Thailand. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But you don't want to hear somebody letting go, candy cane. <laughs> yes, don't do that. But I mean, but you know, radio hobbyism really was kind of... um it was very romantic and even kind of spooky and fun in a mm-hmm. way. And here was um, a platform where he got to be heard nationwide because about XERF, they were always bragging because their transmitter was so powerful that if you started listening to it in New York, you could still hear it in L.A. Like you could just do uh-huh. a whole cross-country road trip. And so Hal and Jack got to be sort of famous from that. And eventually he would have his own syndicated show, like one of the first syndicated radio packages. But it was hilarious because he was just this ridiculous character. He shilled things, like he shilled things in characters. So like they sold all kinds of ads for all kinds of things. Um, And of course, you know, he did lots of howling. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that there is something so wonderfully American about the whole thing because it's ridiculous. It's cheesy. It's excessively capitalist also. It's wild and big. It's wild, big, grandiose, and stupid. Uh-huh. Man. Jack coming at you with a whole bunch of boogies. And therefore, it is just like, I think it very much encapsulates the American spirit, and especially the spooky American spirit, where you become a werewolf I like it. For okay. Fun. All right. <laughs> So I just, I really like it. And to this day, it's because of Hal and Jack that, like, when I think of a werewolf and he's at a Halloween party, he's probably going to be playing the keyboard, right? We, I associate werewolves with rock and roll. Uh Uh-huh. I really, truly do. So thank you, Hal and Jack, for your contribution to werewolf culture. It must be the sideburns. It's definitely the sideburns. Uh Well, before we name our top wolf, our alpha wolf, 
we feel compelled to list some honorable mention wolves. Honorable mentions. Okay, so I would just also add um, Wolfman from the Monster Squad. Couldn't fit him in there, uh -huh. but blah. Teen Wolf, because it's a great character, but Teen Wolf is a boring movie. I tried to watch it recently. It was not interesting. Yeah, I feel like we almost should do a show about that. We tried to watch it a little bit, and I, as I remember, we were astounded by how decompressed it was. Like, so much of it, like, the scene should have been over, like, yes. real early. They just, they were spreading that story out. Somebody could have given me that Teen Wolf script to punch up, and I could have given you a better Teen Wolf, a, a but it's okay. A lot of dangerous activity. Yeah, it didn't happen. That's okay. And then also, I, uh, Underworld, that thing. Oh, yeah. I feel like <laughs> I, should, I should know more about Underworld because of um, our good friend who loves it because it's trashy. But yes. honorable mention. Okay. Our, our leather uh, undead people. I would say I was going to do um, Lone Wolf and Cub. This is the Ronin who wanders the countryside with his child. It's, it was like, like the, the big like breakout anime thing where libraries started had to carry them and everything. It's like a big time samurai story. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Timber, the white wolf who befriends snake eyes from GI Joe. <laughs> yes. Um, let me tell you, I watched an episode of that recently. They were handling a lot of radioactive material. Like it was nothing. Um, <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it. And I was going to say the wolves of the Kala from, um, Stephen King's, um, Dark Tower? Yeah, Dark Tower Dark Tower series. Uh, I can't even tell you too much about them because it's a spoiler. It's like one of those great Western stories where the whole story is preparing for the bad guys to come into town, and it's the wolves of the Kala. And when they come, it's pretty fun. And I won't spoil it, but if you like comic books, you will really like those wolves, and uh, especially like 70s old school Marvel. It's really cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So who's your number one wolf? Or werewolf of all time. Number one. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the age of legends by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, an unspeakable evil was unleashed upon the world. This pick was inevitable when we heard Wolf, whether we wanted to or not. I know both of us flashed to Perrin Ibarra from the Wheel of Time books <laughs> by Robert Jordan. Yay, it's our second Wheel of Time pick. I'm, I'm so happy for this, <laughs> this moment. This one's funny, and this was funny and fun. I, I know we mentioned before, uh, this is a terrific, very long uh, novel series with tons and tons of character detail. So it is. I'm going to also say it's very good. It's very stupid. Don't expect it to not be stupid. I mean, it's a really good story. It is like, a good story. It's good drama. But it's stupid, okay? It's dumb. Don't expect too much from it, but just know that it's just, it's very extra. Before that was even a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, they, uh, and he's, and he's from the South. So like he does a lot of like braid tugging out of frustration and, and, and charming of, things like that. Well, I never, yeah. uh, exasperation about the opposite sex. Yes, kind of yes, a, thing. a lot of that. It's very yeah. silly. It's but, very silly. But it but is it's a charming. good story. It's a good story. It is a good story. And I like it, but I'm just saying, don't expect to like, you know. Expect a lot. I just, I just it's so good. <laughs> don't expect to have your worldview challenged. It's just, it's just a, it's just a okay, fun, silly fair. story. 
Uh, I looked this up, by the way. The paperbacks average 800 pages apiece, and there are 13 books. They are thick. We have them all. They're great. They are very, very thick. I think they're great. Um, and so I don't need to give a whole synopsis again, but I think it's important to note that... Like, if it was a hamburger, you could not take a bite out of those books. That's true. In fact, before Robert Jordan died, he had three books left, before, or Brandon Sanderson sort of took over with his notes. He said that, by God, the last bit of this story was going to get published as one book. He swore to God, even if they had to invent a new way to bind books. And his widow, when he died, she's like, no, it's going to be three books. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but but uh, they were that long. He, he was aware of it. So I don't need to summarize the whole series, but uh, it's important to note that Perrin is something called a Taverin. And I want to ask Rebecca all oh, the God. nonsense fantasy words. Rebecca, what is a Taverin? Is it, it's like part of the tapestry of, of prophecy. Oh, that's for a this, clean way to say it. Right? And so he's like an important thread. Great. Yeah. Him and, and his pals. It's like the, yeah, like the, they've got this whole metaphor for all the events and people and uh, material of the world is uh, spun on this wheel, the wheel of time. And people who are very influential are kind of located near the center of that wheel. So everything kind of touches it and they have a lot of influence. And so he's one of three Tavarin and these, ha these people have to be united to defeat the Dark One in the last battle. And so you might be asking, great, what does this have to do with wolves? I'm not going to read this book. <laughs> um, uh, first of all, Perrin has a kinship with wolves. And he can travel in the dream world as a wolf named Young Bull. And in this dreamland is called what, Rebecca? Um, Teleranriode. Yes, Teleranriode. Uh, it feels better to say you're going to Teleranriode than I'm hitting the hay or something. It's very, very Or just like, I'm going to the dream world. Exactly. Perrin calls it the wolf dream because he's wolfy. Uh, and don't worry, there are definitions for all this in the back of all the books. There are many glossaries you can consult. And that's kind of, this is why I wanted to pick him is because I, I do really enjoy the nonsense and the fun of the dream world when he goes. It's sort of like um, in uh, Legend of Zelda or some of these games where it's like an overworld or like a mirror world you go to and you can actually do a lot of like long distance traveling and weird time distortion stuff and then come out in a different place. It's how you get around travel in fantasy novels. Um, but maybe, do you remember many of the rules or like kind of like the things you can do in Teleran Riyadh? Or how I, I, do you remember it? Well, I was going to say like they used to, I know, see, because I only cared about the girls in the book because, yeah. you know, Wolf Dream, Snore. I was in Teleran Rio just uh, well, hearing about a, it. Egwene uh, was a dreamwalker. Well, I know. So the girls, I remember okay, what the okay. girls did. What was their there, was, there was a time when the girls and their magic faction couldn't see each other and they would meet in Teleran Rio. Oh, that's right. And they had to worry about spies who could yeah, also dreamwalk. Because you could have spies in Teleran Rio. Right. So I know you could have like meetings there. Yeah, lots of meetings, and then that we had to talk about like what. Um, oh, I know you want to talk about this. Uh, in the dream world, you can wear whatever you want, and they spent a lot of time talking about yeah. how did Brigitte do her hair this time. I forgot about that. It's like, yeah, oh, she's can... wearing green because she's already aspiring to the green Aja. Hmm, the cart comes before the horse, does it not? You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. That oh, was she cute. sees herself as the Maryland seat already. I see that kind well, of. Well, they didn't dress tacky in the dream world. They usually had like a practical outfit. Outfit. Yeah, I'm just saying they would like talk about each that. other's outfits and what it meant and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's real cute. I forgot <laughs> about that. So the, 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 on the boy's side, I mean, you've got your basics. You would probably assume like whatever dies in the dream world dies in real life. So it's serious. You can't just be farting around in there. Um, <laughs> 
uh, you can shift locations if you have mastery, if you can uh, concentrate hard. Uh, and what you dream and imagine can be manifested in the dream world. So if you're imaginative and can focus, you can make interesting things happen. And when Perrin first goes, there's this other wolf there named Hopper who teaches him things like, don't just go running off at somebody trying to bite their head off because there's tricksy things that you can do to, to, to win your battles. Uh, so uh, for the dream world and the wolf dream stuff, I thought I was going to men mention that. But then also Perrin has this tie into that theme we were talking about because he is definitely one of these characters whose arc is that balance between um, his man self and the inner wolf. And he used to be a blacksmith. So it's like, he's like forging himself as he grows up. Cause it's one of those, uh, that's very beautiful. What, what do you call, I forget this word all the time, but it's like uh, those uh, coming of age stories, those Roms, Budsman stories or whatever. Um, um, it's one of those. And so anyway, he's, uh, he's, um, trying to find out the limits of himself and when it's appropriate to use force and when to be calm and that sort of thing. And he's sort of thought of as slow because he's very considered in what he's doing, almost like a wolf watching from the trees and when he's going to pounce and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I don't have to tie this up to you, do I? I, I mean, I just like finally <laughs> balance with yourself, the wolf dream. There you go. And I just love these books because they're like my Anne of Green Gables. Can you see that? <laughs> I can, I can totally like, see that. They're kind of like the fantasy Anne of Green Gables. I can definitely see that. It's like a, like this like the main town, sort of like a um, South Carolina with the two rivers, sort of sort of thing. It's sort of like that. I really love Anne of Green Gables, though. <laughs> Would it have been better with Sidine and Sidar? No. <laughs> Gilbert Gilbert can channel Sidar. I hear he may go insane. <laughs> <laughs> what other? Okay, well that was a broad spectrum of wolves. We had to deep. We had to dig deep, and I, I think, had to, like, think we hard. all benefited from it, though. I think. Yeah, I think so. I did learn some things. But it was hard. It's hard yeah. to pick wolves. Yeah, I think we talked about why they didn't resonate with us uh, initially. Is because I don't think we have to de-evolve to understand ourselves and stuff. But um, I do like these these characters. Um, I do too. And but maybe we've just like we like the Halloweenness of them. Maybe is what I we mean. Like. Wolf is one of your classic Halloween guys. You gotta appreciate wolves. And of course, I really appreciate wolves when they are playing the keyboard. <laughs> um. I figured out something I think I think I figured out what might bother me about them and why I like the ones I like is I don't like when somebody turns into a wolf and they lose character. That's because I'm not interested now because I don't know their motivation. They've lost their ego. That's if, true. That's not interesting. If they can maintain their ego as a wolf, I'm interested, like Morrow um, or somebody yeah, like that. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and, and maybe James Hetfield. When James Hetfield turns into a wolf, he is, um, he's free, but he's still James Hetfield. We still love it. He, he definitely is. <laughs> he's wearing like a tank top. It's like that wolf is wearing a tank top. Yeah, and, and he's got his biker vest on. And where did he get those big jeans from? <laughs> well, if you have thoughts on this list or an alibi for the full moon, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com or talk to us on social media, and we might share some of your thoughts on the next episode. Rebecca, where can people follow us? You can find us on Twitter or Instagram, 
or visit KernelHoller.com to catch up on two seasons of Colonel Holler, our original Halloween comedy series, Tis the Season! Yeah. And be on the lookout for a brand new Halloween special that we're writing right now. I see some people are um, uh, going through them uh, for the first time or again or getting some of the specials um, that you can kind of just pick up. We kind of try to write them that way. Um, I, th- I still think they're a fun fun listen. I, I it's think they're, great. I think it's amazing. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, we work really hard on them. Um, uh, talk to us about that on social media too if you want to. If you have any questions about uh, the world or what's the deal with X character, uh, we want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Or hang out with me on my weekly stream about audio production as I work on music at twitch.tv slash Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we call forth new champions. This is a full moon and it'll be just me. <laughs> the legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes There's no resemblance to what you know When your own deeds feel humble and